Thank you for listening to the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast. So I was working my butt off and a year into that job, my dad died. And, you know, I remember after we went to the funeral, sitting in a bar going, what am I doing? What am I doing? Like, all I'm doing is working and, and, and I love it, but all I'm doing is working. I'm not paying any attention to like my personal life. Um, and, and, you know, one of those, one of those realizations was when I would go to do my show and, and, you know, you want to be authentic, that, that, that's what radio is about being authentic, sharing your life. And I go, I don't have any stories to share. Cause all I do is work. Mm. I don't have any stories to share. And so that was kind of like the first in a string of events, life events that kind of, you know, got me out of my bubble. Thank you for listening to the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit guyswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. All right, welcome to the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast. I'm Joe. I'm Josh. This is the show where we help you get unstuck, tell a better story, and have a good answer to the question, what are you doing today? And today, super excited, we've got Brody on the show. Hey. Thanks for having me, Brody. Yeah, man. If the voice sounds familiar and you lived in the Triangle for a while, Brody is locally known for the years he spent on G105 on the morning show, Bob and the Show, Graham. Yeah. And then you moved out to Vegas. I did. And now you're back. I am back. With a vengeance. This time for, I promise I'm not leaving. (laughs) (laughs) I am staying. So you, Uh, you appreciate North Carolina? I love it. I love it. I didn't grow up here, but I've spent over 10 years living in Raleigh and I fell in love with it. Yeah. I just fell in love with it. I mean, everything about it, except, except for the humidity. So, uh, I was checking out your website, Brody It's brodyradio.com. I just and updated it by the way, like last night. I know so. I saw cause I was on it last week and then I was on there today. Nice job. Thank you, uh, thank you. but, uh, on your about page, and this is what I want to start talking about. You said that radio wasn't part of the plan. Right. So I went to school for cinema, TV, film production. I grew up as a kid making movies that's really all I ever wanted to do. What kind of movies did you like to make as a kid? Uh, I was just kind of horsing around. I made horror movies. Uh, I, I would mess around in the bonus room above the garage. Then I went out and I would just do all kinds of stupid stuff in the yard where I was trying to blow stuff up. And there, were, <laughs> there was actually a time where my parents were gone. This I was a teenager. And I lit a fire in the basement, right? And I was doing it. I was filming something. And... Okay, so we had some we had some gasoline for the for the snowblower. And so I'm like, all right, I'm gonna pour some of that out and I'm gonna light a fire and I'm gonna throw a truck through and <laughs> and in your mind it's Michael Bay. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh this is gonna be awesome. I had a leaf blower there just because I was like, safety first, safety first. <laughs> and what I didn't take into consideration is that it was right underneath one of the smoke alarms ah. in the basement, right? So it went off. And uh, the fire department showed up. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't told that story in a while. And and I thought I got away with it. And my parents knew it happened. So I did not get away with it. But I never got punished. So. Well, maybe they thought, you know, at least he's doing something creative. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think so. They were like, at least he didn't burn the house down. But yeah, so. I accidentally got into radio because in college, two months before I graduated, I was dating this girl who was doing a college radio show and she said, Hey, will you come down and, you know, support me and hang out with the show? I'm like, sure. And it was an early morning. That's all I remember. 
I was tired, but I went in there and I was watching her doing her thing. And she seemed like she was still a little green. She was grasping the controls and trying to figure out this, that, and the other. And I'm sitting there and my first instinct was to want to help her and say, well, maybe you should try turning this up. And I didn't know anything about the equipment. I've never done radio at this point. Yeah. And I found myself doing all that. And that's when I realized I'm like, well, this seems like it could be fun. And so I asked if there was any spots open where I could do a show and they're like, sure. And I had a friend who I was really close with that I spent a lot of time with. And I said, Hey, what do you think about doing a college radio show together? Yeah. And he's, uh, he's like, sure, let's do it. And you know, I'm, he's, little crazy and, um, a little less. So it kind of made for some good moments. Um, some that I'm not so proud of. So some that were fun. And after I graduated that they let us continue doing it. And, you know, I'd spent my own money on posters. We would advertise that we're going to have this guest. We're giving away tickets to this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then we would go out and do interviews. We would work with the college, uh, record reps who work at the record companies. What was the show format? Uh, it was, we would play a little bit of music, but it was more of a talk thing. So, but it was like late at night. So it was like 11 at night to like one in the morning. Yeah. And so, I would play, we, we both chose what we wanted to play. And the only rule on the college radio station is you can't play top 40 music. So I said, okay, but so I would take the artists that were in the top 40 world, but I would play like the B sides, you yeah. know, the songs that you don't hear on the, <laughs> the radio deep tracks. But the, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then my, my friend, I don't know where the hell he was getting his music from. Cause I was like, <laughs> I don't know what this is. And you're scaring me, and, but he was totally into it. So it was two completely different worlds, music, musically and personality wise. Cause like I said, yeah. he was on the edge of like, cause you couldn't cuss on college radio which I, I don't, I still don't understand why that was the case. Cause it was only campus wide. Yeah. So well, colleges are known for their strict, you know, nobody's cussing. Yeah. yeah I mean, well, I guess, <laughs> I guess that went under the rule of, okay, you also can't play top 40 music. And I'm like, okay, yeah. well, I thought this was a student run radio station and <laughs> but whatever. And he would walk that line. I mean, we have jokes on there about the movie Titanic, which are so inappropriate. I can't even... <laughs> But, but it was fun. And, and I look back on it now going, you know, that's where what turned into a career was born and, yeah. um, you know, and the, and the rest is history. Yeah. Um, so what was it like working on the, on the show, Graham? How long were you there? I was on the show for two years. Do you get this a lot? Cause I told my wife, oh, Brody's going to be on the podcast. He was on Bob and the show, Graham. She's like, yeah. Cause she listens. She's like, yeah, they were mean to him. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that was my wife's feedback. Well, you know, I think there were moments where we had disagreements. Um, you know, it's funny because people would say, oh, so it was Bob a jerk. That's why you left. I'm like, no, he was actually really pleasant and easy to work with. Yeah. Right. So if you've been listening to the show for years, that's probably not your first assumption, but he really was. And, you know, like you get into the you, you get into the groove of any job that you're doing, you know, and, but you know, there were times I'd sit there and I'm like, I'm working on Bob and the showgram. Cause I always held that show in, in really high regard, even though I worked in the building and yeah. I had been working on other shifts. I always, I was always a fan. And every morning I'd, you know, even when I did the night show, I'd be listening in my room cause I was a fan. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you know, look like any, any radio show, there's going to be, you know, disagreements and <laughs> there were some uncomfortable moments. Yeah. 
Um, and I learned not to, um, I learned that just because I was part of an ensemble and, you know, it's Bob's show to, um, still hold my ground yeah, and not take any crap at moments where I felt like that's what I was getting a yeah. little bit of. So, <laughs> so yeah, but, um, overall it really was a, it was a, it was a great experience. I learned a lot, uh, part, mostly waking, how to wake up at three in the morning. Yeah. What was that like getting used to that? Well, I mean, 10 years before that I was going to bed at three in the morning and waking <laughs> up at nine. And then I found myself going to bed at nine and waking up at three. It's hard. It's a hard adjustment. Cause I would say to people in radio, how do you do this? And they say, you never get used to it. No matter how many years you've been working on a morning show, you never get used to it. And you have to take naps. Because we would have uh, Don from uh, ABC 11 doing the weather. And I guess his shift is kind of crazy too. And he'd be like, well, I go to bed at seven at night. I'm like, well, I couldn't do that. I can't do that. I'm a night owl, <laughs> yeah, how right? Do you, yeah. How do you get yourself to fall asleep at that time? It takes work, I bet. It was hard. And, and it also screws up your eating schedule. You're not eat. I mean, you're eating lunch when most people are eating breakfast. Oh yeah. I never thought about that. So you eating dinner at six is like me eating at midnight. I mean, like, well, look, look, let's be honest. I'd be going to bed at 10 and then that turned into, well, I fall asleep at 11. Right. So, um, it, it was, that was hard to get used to, but, um, it was kind of cool. You don't have to deal with traffic and yeah. it was just, it was a different world. It seems like but it was a great from, li- from a listener's ex- standpoint, G105 seems like a tight group of people that really get along and like each other. You know, there's been so many people through that building, um, and, Yet there are a lot of the people that are there now, like Erica, she's been there, you know, she was there, then she left. And I don't know exactly what the timeline is. And, and the program director, this was, this is his second tour there and I've been there twice. So it's kind of like a lot of people come back and it's just because G105 has that hometown feeling that not, not every radio station has that all over the country. And yeah. I mean, I've, I've been to a few different cities and worked for different radio stations. It really has its own and a hometown local vibe and, and the people that work there do it because they love it. And, you know, um, there's definitely been different groups of families, yeah. um, there. I mean, I have, you know, my favorite time in radio was working at G105. Yeah. So I think that's the best case scenario when you, I mean, it's a dream when you get to work with your family. It really is. I mean, you know, much like real families too, there are right. moments yeah. where you just want to be like, just get me out of here. <laughs> um, but you know, well, people say all the time when you get to work and it, it doesn't feel like work, it's like you never worked a day in your life. So that's the ideal situation, which spoiled me because I realize um, you know, people are like, well, there's no such thing as a perfect job, which is true. Right. There isn't. But when you're all kind of on the same page and you're doing the same thing and everybody's pulling their weight and you have a mutual respect for everybody, then it's an ideal situation. Yeah. So. Yeah. Great companies do that. Great companies make it feel like family and great companies see people leave and then come back a couple of years later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what I've learned over the years and I was talking with a friend recently who's very business minded and is so smart in, in the way, like he could be a leader and he goes, well, I don't really know much about radio. And I'm like, you know, radio is its own animal and it's a different animal, but you know, the thing that any business 
has in common at the end of the day, it's a job at the end of the day, it's a business. And at the end of the day, there are leaders and there are really good leaders and there are really bad leaders. And, you know, I've, you know, I've been doing a lot of reading and, you know, it's true. People don't leave jobs. They leave bad leadership. Yeah. What do you think makes a good leader? I think somebody who is invested in more than just making money for starters. Uh, I've been around people who are invested in the brand, invested in their people. Uh, it, you know, uh, when you know people, you know them, not just like what they can do for you and what their skill set is, but when you know their family and you care about them as people and not just as an employee, yeah. that makes a good leader. I think somebody who shows up and actually cares about the brand and not just about making money or getting ratings uh, in regards to radio, because mm. I, I, I've seen that kind of leadership style. That's not leadership. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and, and, you know, I wish it was, I wish I was one of those kind of people that wasn't affected by that kind of leadership, but I am. Yeah, I am. Um, and I mean, that's probably one of my downfalls is I thrive with a great team and great leadership. And I do the opposite when it's the opposite. Yeah. I think that's so. pretty common. I think I've heard it said before that let's say you work for a 300 person company. Your view of the company is your boss. You're the person one step ahead of you. That's the company for you. Like you don't get to see anything different because that's, that's your world. Mm -hmm. And so you can have a large company and have people that love working there. You have people that hate working there. That's and true. The difference is, is the, the person one step above them. And that's why leadership is so important. Yeah. It's, it, it's definitely, it's definitely been really interesting. And, um, you know, I think that's what, you know, that's what we all have in common is that, you know, sometimes I see it as in, you're not just looking am I going to like this job? Is this something I could be happy with? But more so is this leader, the kind of person that I want to work for yeah. and they're going to bring out the best in me. I heard a quote once that really stuck with me along the lines of like, life is too short to work with people you don't like. I've never heard that, but whoever said that yeah, is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Pro profound. Yeah. I don't know who said it either, but it just kind of stuck with me. Life is too short to work with people you don't like. But you know what? It's interesting because when I say things like this, I've heard, well, nothing's perfect. And I'm yeah. like, I'm not looking for perfect because that's impossible. <laughs> Even when it was perfect for me, yeah, it wasn't perfect. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Um, yeah. I, I think for me, I thrive around people that give a damn yeah. about what we're doing. And when it's the opposite, you know, then that takes a, that has an impact. Yeah. And and it pisses me off when that happens because that's not who I am. Right. You know, I hold my, I hold myself in pretty high regards and high standards and, and it's disappointing when you're not at that level. And so God bless people who can kind of be in their own zone and don't get affected by that kind of thing. And, and, and that kind of leadership and that kind of team. I think they're kind of turning a part of themselves off though. If that's your mentality, like screw it, paycheck. Like, <laughs> but, but, but I mean, people who can thrive in that kind of environment, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and maybe money or, or family or wanting to provide is such a motivation where it's like, I'm going to overcome all this. And I'd like to meet those kind of people, honestly, because I would <laughs> yeah. love, to, I would love to be more of that kind of person. What are some of the big kind of tools of the trade that you feel like you learned from? How long have you been rating now? Over 15 years. Over 15 years. Yeah. What are some of the Which things that, what are some of the lessons that you learned that you were surprised to learn about radio? That I was surprised about radio. Uh, wow. 
That's a great question. I think, I think perk wise, everyone's like, well, we get free tickets and what a great perk. And that is a great perk by the way. And, but some of the other perks you fall into and you're like, you feel guilty almost going, I should not be in the Caribbean working, <laughs> which it is work, right? Cause you're doing your show out there. And um, now that I'm kind of settling into this question is the listeners and the impact that people have had on me. I can't, I can't tell you how many people I've heard from and how many people I, that connect with me that still say, um, how are things going? You know, um, we miss you on the show or on the radio station or whatever. And, uh, it's, it's humbling. It's because when I left the show, for instance, when I left the show, Graham, you know, I, I, I was like, you know what, this show is going to be fine. Um, you know, I felt like I was just kind of a fill in. And, uh, and that, you know, not that I didn't have an impact, but that overall it really wasn't, you know, it's not gonna, I'm not like really leaving a void. Right. And, um, and uh, you know, what I learned is because I'm like, I'm kind of like the average person, you know, Bob is Bob. Erica's Erica. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm like, I was the boring person on the show. And, um, and somebody once said that, well, you know, there's a lot of normal people in the world. Yeah. Which and, makes you the relatable person. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I guess I was just really kind of surprised and humbled by how many people like just had reached out and said, Hey, how's yeah. everything going? You know, um, we miss, you know, having you be, you know, on the radio in the community kind of thing. Yeah. It's crazy and, to think about that for thousands of people in the triangle, they listen to you guys every morning. Like you were a part of their routine. You're a part of their commute. You were a part of them getting ready. And I feel like it shouldn't just now settling on me. Like, of course they felt like they knew you and they're invested in your life. Um, that has to be a kind of a cool feeling. Yeah. I mean, maybe I was on the inside. I mean, Bob obviously shares a lot of his life and Erica does as well. And, and, you know, I, I felt like they've got families, you know, and, and they have so much going on. And for me, I was in a different part of my life where I didn't have maybe as many stories or I don't know. I don't know, but it was really humbling. And that was probably the biggest thing that, um, surprised me about the industry. I was like, wow, these people are either really, really nice, (laughs) either really nice people live in a triangle (laughs) or, you know, I don't know. You didn't find the same kind of community in the audience in Vegas. Um, well, no, actually Vegas is great. Um, I will say this. I moved, when I moved down to North Carolina, I was coming from Connecticut and I had, um, I went to school in Connecticut and I had worked a few jobs in Connecticut and I did not like Connecticut. By the way, uh, I've, I've got a few close friends that are from Connecticut and I tell them that I go, I don't know how you're not an a-hole because (laughs) I really dislike living in Connecticut. It's cold. It's expensive. Two things that are facts, by the way. And the third thing, people are just not friendly. Is it Connecticut or Connecticut? Connecticut. So no Connecticut, even though there's no, a C before the T. I don't know why that extra, those extra letters are in there. <laughs> Do you know what surprised me? That John Mayer is from Connecticut. Yeah. That's awesome. John Mayer, but he's from Connecticut. What does it surprise <laughs> you? <laughs> you were like, hey, you guys couldn't see, but Josh all lit up when he said John Mayer. And then when he said Connecticut, you got a, oh, that. By the way, like, <laughs> look, there's great... There are cool things about Connecticut, Mohegan Sun Casino. So I don't want to totally rank on it. It's just, for me, it wasn't what I was looking for. So when I moved to North Carolina, I'm like, 
I felt like I was taking a chance. I'm like, I'm moving to the sticks. Yeah, everybody oh, yeah. says that. You're just going to hit deer when you drive around down there. <laughs> well, shut up. Well, and, and Clayton, <laughs> you, you do almost hit deer every time you're driving at night, so let's be sure. But, um, I, you know, it was, you know, I felt like I was taking a chance, and, you know, it was a completely different world when I'm moving into the apartment, and random strangers are going, hey, how are you? And I'm like, you talking to me? You like meatloaf? Was, I got some meatloaf for you. Yeah, well, even my sister now says, what is this y'all thing? You never talked like that. And I'm like, I don't have an accent. Y'all. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's a little different. It makes sense. It's two words in one. It saves time. Yeah, we're all about efficiency. It's fun to use too, guys. Say it. Let's all say it. Take turns. Ready? Y'all. I don't think I use y'all very often. Y'all have a fun show. You just used it. Yeah, I did. Y'all have a fun show? You know what? You live in the Bible Belt. Start saying y'all. Learn to say y'all. It is a part of... That's, I mean, you know. In Vegas, by the way, I think... You know, the community there is amazing. And, you know, I think people, when people go there, it's like, well, it's just this, you know, a transient tourist destination. But I think over the, especially over the course of the last few years, what I've seen is the community there that lives there really, they care. You're talking and about Vegas? Yeah. Yeah. Are there a lot yeah. of Filipinos there? Uh, I don't know. You didn't, in know. five years, I, you I didn't, didn't meet any Filipinos. I was there for one year. Oh, one year, one year. I didn't, right, I yeah, didn't yeah. really pick up on that. You didn't get into Filipinos. I know there's a lot of Filipinos there because my wife's oh. Filipina. And oh, I, okay. we keep hearing, oh, there's a lot of Filipinos out in Vegas. But they don't go to the Strip. They live outside. Right. But when you meet them, they, you get in the Filipino world. It's it's hot. Like food, people oh, are fun, I, really I friendly. I don't know much about the... Well, when we go back to Vegas, the three of us will go. <laughs> okay. You know what? We should do a podcast just uh, even if it's one episode in Vegas. Yeah. Road trip. We'll expense it. Wait, bro. We don't have Brody trip. <laughs> bro trip. Bro trip. <laughs> but, 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 but I think for me, before I even moved there, uh, like maybe um, uh, six months before I moved there, my girlfriend and I were there for a conference that she was attending and she invited me to go because it was her first time in Vegas. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's, you know, it'll be a great time. Let's go. And I remember sitting in the hotel I think it was like the, the the second day we were there and we were exhausted because the time change and everything. And the news was on. And this was um, three days after that shooting had happened. And I remember even that Monday morning uh, following the, the big shooting at the, uh, the um, MGM the 91 festival and seeing it at three in the morning when I'm doing some of my research for, for the, the morning show for Bob and going, uh, it was just scary. And knowing that a few days later we were flying there for this conference and watching the news and people were lined up around the block and then some to give blood. And that's when I realized Vegas is not just, you know, right. which I mean, I, I, I think that's kind of an ignorant way to think of, you know, Vegas, cause it's not just the strip and it's not just crazy parties and, you know, people right. that are there to, but that, you know, um, the community, um, like that kind of brought the community together. Yeah. Right. And, um, and, uh, now there's a hockey team there, which in their first season almost won the Stanley cup. What's wow. their name? Uh, the Vegas golden Knights. Nice. And, and, and nobody expected this team to win. Yeah. They're like, Oh, the, the, 
This Nobody would expect the desert team to crush it in hockey. Well, yeah. guys, it's not like they, those guys grew up in the desert. They're all yeah. like imported from Canada, right? Come on now. <laughs> Some of them, yeah. And other places. But, but you know, it brought this level of excitement to people that live there. So, you know, all these things, you know, are really bring, bringing the community out. And, and, and it's, it's, it's an amazing community. So um, what's next? What's the next chapter look like for you? You're back. Um, that's a good question. Um, I, I ended up leaving Vegas. Um, I guess it was it a year and maybe two months into being there, something like that. And I had a two year contract to work out there. And the reason I had left the show Graham and gone is because, um, I mean, waking up early was tough, but the truth is I wanted to get back into programming and have more control over the radio station as a whole. Cause that's my background is working not working in morning radio, but working for radio station behind the scenes and on the air, which is kind of what I enjoy doing and having more control over the product as a whole. And I missed that and I wanted to get back into it. And that opportunity wasn't there, uh, working at G105 and, um, the, uh, another branch, which happened to be in Vegas, reached out to me, same company. And I had been with the company for like 17 years and, Flew out there and I was like, wow, Vegas. I don't know about living in Vegas. Yeah. Uh, okay. And it was for like, um, it was for an AC station, adult contemporary. So I was like, and then I'm sitting there going, well, cause a lot of people say people go to do adult contemporary radio. They go there to, you know, their career dies there. Oh yeah. <laughs> I've heard that. I don't know if that's still something that people in our industry say or not, but I'm like, that's well, the way people think about it. Though. I'm like, you know, what? Yeah. I like exploring opportunities, even if it's something that I'm not sure if it's going to be a fit. I'm like, I want to explore it, you know, and, um, maybe something good will come of it. And they flew me out there and, uh, and I was like, and I, and I was like, all right, job wise, I was like, okay, you know, this seems like a cool place. And I, I was driving around to see what the community was like. And I was like, there's actually some vegetation here <laughs> you know, I've been trying to figure out where to live. And so, you know, I, uh, I got back to town and I was like, I think I want to do this job. The only thing was, um, I was leaving a relationship behind. And, um, so my girlfriend and her son and, you know, here's, here's kind of the, you know, th this was really an interesting part of my life because for, all these years I've been doing radio, this has really kind of been, you know, I've been going around the country for different opportunities. And now, you know, I, I've experienced dating somebody who has a son. And so kind of realizing really what, you know, what this family unit is like and, and, and what it means to be a part of, part of it. And so when I left, you know, that was a pretty tough decision. And, you know, I think for me, what it ended up being is saying, you know, look, I've been in this industry for 15 plus years and I don't know, you know, and this is what would be interesting to me to be, to ask people who have been in whatever their field is, whatever their craft is for so long, you know, um, if you could never work in that job again, could you work somewhere else and be successful? Could you do something completely different and be successful? Because for me and for a lot of people that I know in my industry, like we'd always be terrified going, well, if we got laid off and all of a sudden there were no opportunities, I'd be screwed. I have no idea what I'm going to do. If I'm not in radio, who am I? What am I going to do? Mm -hmm. And so that fear is what led me away 
from, you know, and, and I consider my girlfriend and her son, my family, but you know, um, that's what led me away. And so what brought um, you back? They brought me back, but it was, you know, so what happened was I was there for a few months and, you know, um, the long distance thing didn't work out. And so I'm doing the job out there and a few months in, I'm like, you know, we had kind of kept in touch and, you know, what I realized was, you know, I, I, I had gotten into a headspace where I was terrified to get out of the industry of radio. I'm like, I can't do anything outside of radio. I can't. And so I kind of felt like, uh, I don't, I don't want to use this word, but for a lack of a better word, cause, cause I think if people, you know, in the industry hear it, they're going to be like, well, that's a negative connotation. But I kind of felt like a prisoner of the industry that I loved working in. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Because I was like, I can't see myself outside of this industry doing anything. I'm not, I just, I can't, I'm going to fall flat on my face. I can't make money. And, you know, and I sat there and I said, what a defeatist attitude. Um, sure. Surely that, that that's not the case because I started going, you know, I, I miss them. And, um, and, you know, again, going 15 plus years and this career is really all that I know. And then all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? Um, I kind of made the decision saying I need to get back there and not to mention my mom also lives on the East coast and she's a multi-time cancer survivor. And so I lived across the country from her as well. And, um, you know, one of the things that I had learned, you know, my dad passed away and he had been living overseas cause he retired overseas and he passed away and I was planning on going to visit him. I wasn't there for it. So I was like, I didn't, you know, I didn't get to see him before he passed away. Mm. And I was working my ass off, uh, at the job I was in, I was, I was a program director. So I was in a manager role for three years. It was my first management role, which is the reason I had left Raleigh the first time and G105, which was a huge, that was like, I felt like I was taking a gamble there. I'm like G105, everybody I felt like everyone I worked with felt like family. Right. And, yeah. and working at the radio. So working at the radio station was like my second home and I was leaving all of my friends. Like I established a life that I just fell in love with. And so I left to go to do management and I was just working like a madman, um, you know, between, you know, taking care of a staff, being on the air, uh, scheduling music, um, uh, you know, doing events outside the building, uh, social media. Um, and you know, radio, you know, is one of those industries that, it doesn't have the staff it used to, you know, consolidation is really real. And, you know, with social media now, that's a whole, I mean, that's not like, I mean, that's a full-time job. Right. So well, it should be if you do it right. 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 So I was working my butt off and a year into that job, my dad died. And, you know, I remember after we went to the funeral, sitting in a bar going, what am I doing? What am I doing? Like all I'm doing is working and, and, and I love it, but all I'm doing is working. I'm not paying any attention to like my personal life. Um, and, and, you know, one of those, one of those realizations was when I would go to do my show and, and, you know, you want to be authentic that, that that's what radio is about being authentic, sharing your life. And I go, I don't have any stories to share. Cause all I do is work. Mm. I don't have any stories to share. And so that was kind of like the first in a string of events, life events that kind of, you know, got me out of my bubble, so to speak. And then, um, you know, my mom's a multi-time colon cancer survivor. 
she's the toughest human being I know. Um, and so, you know, being in Vegas, being so far away from mom, you know, that played a, a major role as well. And so, you know, I'm like, you know, everybody I consider families on the East coast and, um, I just need to get back. You know, my mom's battling, um, uh, she, she's had little cancerous polyps, you know, come back up. And so she's back, you know, battling that now taking different steps. And, and so I'm like, I just need to be back on the East coast. I need to be with my family. Um, and so I made the decision for the first time in my career to leave a job, uh, in the middle of a contract. And it was one of those things where I'm like, you know what, this is probably not going to be a good look. And I don't care. It's not that I don't care. Let, let, let me rephrase that. So it was just that I was prioritizing and, and I said, you know what, if radio is, ends up being something that, you know, uh, because of this personal decision doesn't continue, then, um, then I'll be okay because, you know, I was prioritizing my life and I'm like, I want to be with the people that I love and, um, been with the company for 17 years. I've busted my ass. Um, and you know what, like whatever the universe has in store, I love radio. I'd love to continue working in it, but if that's not what's in store and you know, the universe has something better and different then so be it. But I do know now, you know, where my life needs to be. And so I, you know, it's probably the biggest, you know, the biggest thing I've kind of done in terms of like, you know, just taking a step. So I have a question. And, so you guys met at a podcast meetup yeah. group. What, why did you go to that meetup group? Uh, well, I'm, I'm friends with, um, uh, Gene and Julie who, uh, said, Hey, why don't you come to this, you know, podcast meetup? And I said, okay, cause podcasting is something I've dabbled in. I've never really done it. I've never really jumped into it full time. And, you know, for me right now, I'm just kind of trying to explore what, you know, who's who's Gene and Julie? Who's that? So they were the morning show on mix 101.5 who like, ironically, they were a competitor, I guess, for the show. (laughs) So, um, but you know, I had a chance to, to meet up with them one morning and, and we talked and, you know, we're very much on this like same wavelength in regards to radio. And I mean, we sat there, we had breakfast and we ended up talking for like three hours. What did you have for breakfast? And, um, I had the, uh, eggs Benedict. Where do you like eggs Benedict? Is that your favorite breakfast? Um, I wouldn't say it's a favorite, but I do like it. It's right up there. Did you find a good place in Vegas for eggs Benedict for $2? I, you know, I don't (laughs) know if I ever had eggs Benedict in Vegas. Come to think of it. Is steak still $2 in Vegas? Is it like two, two, three dollars for a meal? Right. And it's casino. No. And it's jacked up now, like yeah, seven, it's eight. It's expensive, man. It's. I would always tell people, I'm like, you need to go to Lux Cafe in the basement of the Venetian. <laughs> Never await. Outstanding service. Great food. And yes, it's a chain, but. So what is it about like radio that makes your heart sing apart from the experience? But what is it about this world that like makes you really light up? Um, you know, I just like connecting with people, which, you know, when you ask that other question, I guess that was the most surprising how how you can end up connecting with people. And, uh, you know, r- right now more than anything, you know, I, I mean, part of the reason I'm doing this podcast is cause I want to inspire people maybe who are in a, you know, in a situation that they might want to change. And, you know, um, 
you know, and, and it doesn't matter what other people think, by the way, yeah. most importantly, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. So Cause I knew people would be like, Oh, uh, so you're leaving and you don't have a job lined up. That's and, correct. And it's life. Everybody goes through that crosses that bridge. But what about your dating life? Do you, are you single now or dating or what? Um, I am back with my girlfriend and, um, so does she have a kid more long distance? She does. She okay. does. Yeah. And, um, he and I have a great, uh, we have a great relationship. That's good. And, um, what is he, how old is he? He's 15. Super smart kid. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to mention is that, um, uh, both of his parents have a great co-parenting relationship. As a matter of fact, I get along great with his dad and they have a great co-parenting relationship. And, you know, I, I feel like that even that, that right there, um, it's inspiring because my parents, I come from a divorced household and my parents, like they hated each other. I mean, they hated each other. And so, you know, I think when she and I originally started dating, she's like, look, I need to tell you something. I'm like, you have a kid. Okay. All right. You know, and she's like, well, uh, Braxton's dad and I are going, are taking him on a cruise for his birthday as a surprise, you know, like six, seven months down the line. So she's like, you know, I know some people would have a problem with that. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't, I don't care. I'm glad that you guys have such a great parenting, co-parenting relationship because I came from a divorce household and you know what, you're doing what's right for him. And, um, you know, and then I'm, and I met the guy and I'm like, Hey, he's cool. We well, get along great. So yeah. do you feel like Will Ferrell and stepdad or more uh, like Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> no, like would be like Will Ferrell. I don't think I've seen that movie. Oh gosh. It's therapeutic. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to put that on my list now. <laughs> yeah. Add it to the queue. Things to see. Things to see. So you mentioned but, earlier, like the desire to hope inspire people who are maybe in a situation similar to what you were going in. And, yeah. and I told my wife after the meetup that I had a conversation with you afterwards. And I was like, we had a lot in common because I, I just recently, a lot of similarities in our story. Um, recently left what felt like family uh, with a, with a job that I was good at and I uh, liked a lot. And I uh, started my own company. And um, when, when I first quit, I remember thinking, but not knowing until like it actually happened, how much I was starting over. Like I thought, I'm just kind of starting over, but I still, all this experience is going to translate right. But the reality of it really smacked me in the face. Like now, like I'm, I'm completely starting over at like 38. That's a good decision. That's a good move, Joe. That's smart kind of thinking. but the the reason behind the change and the reason to do it and sticking with it for a little bit quickly like in a in a course of a couple of months went from like well i know i did the right thing and what i thought i was going to not be excited about or the skills that i was worried weren't going to transfer they do transfer and work is work and it, it kind of quickly settled down but i think i was i think i told you and i was joking a little bit like settle down is like, I, I'm a big fan of being honest of where you're at. Like the, uh, like the first couple of months, like it was like every morning I woke up, like, what did you do? Where are you, what are you going to do today? Like you had a perfectly good job. <laughs> yes. Now the house is empty. What you can drink coffee all day. What's the plan there? And then that made its way down to like once every three days where I'd have that little panic attack waking up in the middle of the night and, uh, whittled down to like three weeks. So now I'm like eight months in and now I get it like, Every four weeks, I would say. <laughs> I, can, I can relate to that for sure. Um, but I went through what you went through too, going, how, 
are any like talking on the radio. That's not really, you can't implement that anywhere. You yeah. can't schedule music. You can't implement scheduling music, a piece of software into any other job. Like I'm, I'm screwed. But then the more I thought about it, the more I realized, and by the way, for anybody uh, who does have opportunities, I've, I'm skilled in all these positions that I didn't even know I was skilled in, like marketing, promotions, public speaking, um, you know, uh, brand management, uh, working with clients. Um, and then, and then I sat there, I'm like, Oh, I've never done, I can't do sales. I've never done sales. I'm like, and then, you know, after a few conversations with a handful of people, like you've worked in sales for over 15 years. It's just how you see it. And, and so my mindset really had to change. I mean, did you find yourself having the Absolutely. That same kind yeah, of, yeah. So for me, it was like, and I thought the thing that I loved was the job and the role. And I think a lot of people think that they think the thing that they love is the job and the role. But I think what people fall in love with is the relationships, the connections, the doing stuff together. And, um, and so I don't know, I imagine like you, like the thing I miss the most is the people. Like it's kind of heartbreaking sometimes. Like I just want to go back like George Costanza and just work for like a couple of days and get the relationships going again. You know, it, it, I mean, it's totally the people because having worked in the same building on two different occasions, mm -hmm. two different times of life, there were people um, at one point there that I would have killed for. And then when I came back, some of those people were gone and I'm like. It's, yeah. it's not the same. It's not the same. I mean, granted, even when I came back, there were people there that I really cared about. And, but you know, some of the people that had left, I was like, it's different. And so it really is the people. Yeah. Like 100%. I saw, and, um, I watched your, your trailer online for the, the show that you're working on. Oh God. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. Wow. And I thought, and we had a great conversation about it and I wanted to talk about that a little bit here, but um, I know it's just a podcast and you don't get to see it, but go to brodyradio.com and watch this when you're not driving your car or walking your dog or something. <laughs> but I'm actually just going to play the clip here because I think even, even just the audio kind of translates. It's so easy to travel and to just be about your own thing. You don't want to be bothered by anyone. Living your best life. Sedona. Seeing the world. I don't ever think of people as strangers. Making memories. She came out screaming that, you know, she walked, <laughs> she walked in on him and he was just laying there on the top of the bed, on top of the covers, just in his whitey tidy, she said. And friendships. It's my guy. He could have lost. You could make some income from um, having an empty room in the house, so it, it kind of made sense. So you get smart. Staying with strangers. The strangers I meet were actually nicer than the guy I was married to. <laughs> That's, That's my like, favorite line in that yeah, whole thing. It's dude. great because it's funny and also you're like, oh, do you need a hug? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the idea. When you, when you told me about what it was. So it's this idea about the travel industry, things like uh, where you can stay in people's homes now, tons of sites that exist for this, and the community that that goes from traveling that way versus how we do most of the stuff in our life, which is isolated. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't know anybody, which is kind of like what a lot of hotels are designed for. Like, I don't want to just, I mean, I got my room, my key, leave me alone. And um, it's kind of like yeah. an adventure show. And in that, in that travel market. It, it, you know, so what I found is, and everybody loves to travel, right? So for me, I, um, you know, for me, when I discovered Airbnb and it's not, it's not meant to be a commercial for Airbnb because they're, you know, there are a handful of services that are like Airbnb. It's just 
that happens to be the one that I've used the most. And I was like, wow, you can stay in places that are way cheaper than staying in hotels. And, and then, you know, in some cases you feel like you're staying in your own place. It's like, or you're staying with mom or so, you know, for me, the concept was, you know, it was interesting. It became interesting when we started hosting people uh, at my girlfriend's house because she had a room above uh, the garage, a big bonus room. And, you know, we started meeting people and, and, and it, uh, let me backtrack. It didn't start, it didn't start that way. We had taken a trip to Key West and it's outrageously expensive to, to stay in Key West. It's expensive to fly there. It's expensive. <laughs> um, it's just an expensive place, but we went there. We did Airbnb for the first time together and we loved it. The host was greatest human being. And he really made it. I mean, that was his job hosting people. He had, he was renting this house from a friend who owned it. And and I forget what the backstory was, but this guy had worked for, I want to say maybe Aetna for years. He was in a high position. He was making them so much money. And he was telling us the story the day we checked in, he goes, I finally just made a decision to leave because they weren't, they weren't taking care of me. They didn't care. I made them all this money. They didn't care. So he's like, I left a six figure job to come down here and take care of my friend's house. And it just so happened where he allowed me to rent out rooms here. And I think the guy said he was making like, uh, um, 15 grand a month or something insane. Wow. And it's still like, it was like, he's charging like half the price of what it stay, you know, what you're paying to stay in a hotel. And the greatest guy is like, you could park here free, park here free, making us drinks. I think, I think one of the, we were there maybe, was it two nights? I don't know. But the one night he ended up making us all these drinks and I don't think we left because we got really drunk. <laughs> and it's, he was just part a of the way to get people guy. to stay another day. Yeah, right, he's, like, right. he's just really good at marketing. But you could tell he, he gave, you know, he cared about connecting with people and not just having a, Hey, rent out the room and, yeah. you know, have the house to yourself, do whatever you want to do. He actually cared about, um, engaging with people. And I think that's part of what we really connected with. And so, you know, after that, I was like, okay, I'm going to do Airbnb because, you know, it, there's all kinds of, and I don't want to make this a, a commercial about what the service is, but you know, if you're one of those people where let's say you have a family and like, we can't afford to stay in hotels, it's just expensive. And I'm like, this isn't, you know, bashing hotels. Cause sometimes I do want to stay in a hotel. Sometimes depending where you are, it might be the same price point. And so, but you know, if, if it can make it more affordable for you to travel, we went to Salt Lake city, uh, on a, uh, a ski trip and, we rented out what was a, a basement that was finished in this home. And it was, I mean, it was like top of the line. They like redid it. It had a kitchen, a, you know, refurbished bathroom, even the bedroom and the way it was decorated. Everything about it was amazing, especially the price point. And I'm like, I can't believe we're staying in a place like we're staying, even though it's in somebody else's house, it's a basement. And for the price point, and to me, that was one of my favorite experiences, even though we didn't connect super tight with those people, yeah. it was, it was the right price point, but it felt like I didn't, you know, it felt, it felt different from like a hotel room. So, um, but you know, in that same vein, we started having people come, uh, to her house cause you know, 
at this bonus room above the garage and, you know, uh, a bed, a queen size bed, extra furniture and everything. And so it was like, well, people make money off of doing this. We had remembered the story that the guy had shared with us in Key West going, right. well, we're not going to make that kind of money. Right. But sure enough, uh, we met a lot of people. And I remember this one couple in specific who are from New, New Zealand and the guy was a day trader and, and normally we meet people, you know, we, we do talk to them for a few minutes, get to know them. And then everybody kind of gets on to their, you know, doing whatever they're doing. And we ended up staying up to like four in the morning, I think with these people connecting and talking and, you know, and we've stayed in touch with them. And that's when I realized I go, you know, traveling and hosting people. Cause my mom used to be like, how is she letting strangers in the house when she's got a teenager who's 13 or whatever? And you know, that would definitely be, or, or why would you stay in a stranger's house and you don't know them? And I think that was kind of like the disconnect there. Right. And, um, and now my mom understands, but it was one of those things where, uh, Tara would vet, um, you know, the people that would request to stay there. And there are certain ways you can look at people's ratings and such, right. but she would really vet them. And she goes, I really want to get to know what these people are. And, and, you know, probably even more so than the average person does where they just like kind of look at the rating and then make a decision. Yeah. And, um, you know, we made some, we made some, uh, great friendships and, it, you know, it was a great experience. And then when I was in Vegas, I had a roommate who was there for two months. Uh, it didn't work out. I tried to get a roommate on roommates.com and that didn't, you know, that <laughs> wasn't working because everyone was trying to be like, well, I only want to pay like 300 and I'm like, well, that's not happening. So, and, and, um, they want you know, six so, roommates from roommates.com. So, <laughs> $300. Yeah. When I started Airbnb, um, there was this one guy and, uh, he was a 69 year old Indian man who was coming in for CES, which is, um, like a big tech, right. um, conference in Vegas. Consumers for like electronics, something. Yeah. 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 And he goes, Hey, I, I like to cook. And I noticed your kitchen's really nice. I'm like, sure. You know, whatever. He's like, and I'm thinking to myself, I've tried Indian food once and I just didn't like it. It was too spicy. And oh my God, like, <laughs> is the house, gonna, you know, is the house going to smell? And he comes and it ended up being the most, he was my favorite guest. And so he cooked for you. You know what? He he cooked and it changed my entire idea on Indian food. And all of a sudden I'm like, because I told him, I go, look, I, I'm not good with spicy. I can't do spicy. And my experience of curry just wasn't a positive one, but I'm willing to try it again. Right. And, and I, I was like, oh my God, can you make more of that? That was awesome. <laughs> and he gave the advice he gave, because at the time, you know, I'm in Vegas and, and all these things are going on where I'm out there doing the job and making decent money. And, but I'm like, you know, I need to be back on the East coast with the people that I love. I've got a mom who's battling, you know, cancer and I, I just need to be back with these people. And, you know, he gave very simple advice. And for some reason, it, you know, it really just kind of connected with me where he goes, whatever you do, just be happy. Just like those two words. And it was kind of a moment where we we're sitting at the kitchen table and he goes, just, whatever you do, be happy. You know, and, you know, as simple as a concept as that is, it just, yeah. for some reason, it connected with me on a deeper level, maybe because like, you know, the, the extended conversation he and I were having. Cause I'm like, you know, this is a 69 year old, you know, yeah. man who's from another country, different culture, the whole nine. And we just totally connected. And so that's awesome. It, and that's a super transformative question. Like be happy because for a lot of us, we never stop and say like, is this working? Am I happy? Mm. 
And I think we run from that question mm-hmm. because we might yeah. know the answer. <laughs> yes. And we don't want to sit still long enough. Well, like I said, when my dad passed and my mom going through everything she's going through, you know, that's the, those are really the reasons why I'm going to be like, I'm just, I have to leave. I have to leave. Now, by the way, I try to stay in the company. You know, there was some opportunity and that didn't work out. And I said, you know what? I'm still going to do what I'm going to do because life is short. My parents have proved that. And um, I'm going to do what I need to do and go where I need to be and and take a leap of faith. And and that's what I've done. And Well, I um, love this staying with strangers thing because it's clear that it's a passion project. It's something you're excited about. What are you hoping to accomplish with it? Honestly, you know, like for me, the biggest thing is inspiring people to a travel. Yes, you can afford to travel um, because, you know, I feel like services like VRBO, Airbnb and this kind of thing aren't necessarily as common knowledge and widespread as let's say Uber and that the concept of staying with a person, staying in a stranger's house and some of them are apartments, some of them are just bedrooms. So if you're staying in an apartment, I guess that's not such a weird thing, but if you're staying in a house where it's like three bedrooms, like we did in Key West, it was three bedrooms and you're meeting a ton of other strangers. So you're staying in a stranger's house and then there are other strangers there yeah. and you're like, Oh my God. Why do you think we think that's so much weirder than a hotel? Cause that's exactly what we do in a hotel. It's just <laughs> because you're in closer quarters. Yeah. Maybe. Um, I don't know, but that's, that is a great question. I mean, look, would you open up if you had a, if either you guys had an extra bedroom and you know, you can make like serious money, which you probably could, by the way, I don't know what your, what kind of house you're in, but would you sit there and would you be open completely to go, Oh, I would love to have strangers in my house. Yeah. My wife and I actually talked about it because we have a pretty sweet setup in our basement that's got its own galley kitchen and bathroom and everything. Do it. And, um, but my daughter just moved down there. So now her room's um, down there. But, uh, yeah, we, we talked about it cause it's got a separate door and, and it could have worked out. And when you, when we ran the numbers on it, they were certainly not anything to shake a finger at. Like it was significant. Uh, it is, it is significant. Josh, do you, uh, not in this stage of my life, not interested. Mm-mm. But it's, you know, it really is. That's why I was like, it's a benefit for everybody because if you have space, that's another stream of income. Um, you know, my girlfriend Tara has really inspired me like over the course of while I was gone, she kind of dove into a lot of things and yeah. she's got multiple streams of income and she has a full-time job working for Duke, but she's got multiple streams of income. And I'm like, she really is inspiring. And I'm like, yeah. I, I can't picture myself being an entrepreneur, but I go, you know, you know, I like connecting with people and, and making money and, and, you know, helping other people. So I'm like, if you have space in your house, you can host people, you meet people. And that's, and that, and that's what staying with strangers is about. It's yeah. yes. You, you know, it helps you afford to travel, you know, which everybody loves to do and should do more of, by the way. Cause I, you know, I've met so many people from North Carolina that have never stepped foot outside the state. And I'm like, look, North Carolina is beautiful. The mountains, the beach, um, but there's so much to experience and yes, you can afford to do it. So it's inspiring people there, but also when you have extra space, you can make extra money and whether that's pocket change or whether that's, I mean, even if you're only making like 30 bucks a night, that's going to add up. And, um, but the deeper meaning is people, the the people that you meet can have a huge impact on your life. The 69 year old Indian man really like, you know, even though it was a simple concept for me, um, it was a big moment. Um, I'm not saying that was the moment where I decided to come back. I mean, there were multiple events and moments where I was like, I'm going to make yeah. the decision I'm making, but, um, well, I like the what, relationships. That I like what you said earlier when, and I think I found myself, I don't know what it was like for you and I don't want to speak for you necessarily, but like when I get in that mode and like the heads down and I'm trying to get work done, um, 
I can relate with what you said, which I just didn't have any stories. Like I just wasn't, my life had become not a great story. Mm-hmm. I, I went to work. I did the thing and I did the thing. Because you were going the through the and, motions. Yeah, going through the motions. And I think what what this concept represents is it like you're putting yourself in this in the place to have adventures. Like you're gonna have some stories. Like it's not always gonna be uh there's gonna be funny stories. And I think that's why it's an interesting concept for a show. There's gonna be dramatic stories like that, like that one lady. You're gonna have hosts that do funny stuff, but you're gonna have stories and you're gonna build relationships, which is um which is, I mean, it's a big part of life. I mean, I, I remember I told you in a, there's a, there's a book by Robert McKee. Have you ever read any, have you read a story by Robert McKee? Uh, I've read about it, not read it yet. So it's a long book. I don't think a lot of people yeah. have actually read it, but it's like one of those things, like these are the fundamental story blocks of telling stories. And then he wrote a book called Dialogue, mm-hmm. uh, which is about how to write for movies. And um, he had this great line and I don't know if I'm misquoting it and if I am, he doesn't listen to this podcast, but uh, <laughs> it's just that it was, he was like, when you want to write authentic dialogue and you want it to sound real, if what you're talking about is what you're talking about, you're fucked. Mm. And the point was like, if I'm having a conversation with you about like, do you want to get in the car and go to the place with me? Then that's boring. That's not an interesting story. But if there's context or subtext behind it, like, um, like you getting in the car represents your character taking some step forward or doing something that is outside of what you would normally do. And you're progressing towards something Then yeah. you're writing good dialogue. Yeah. And I think this, this concept for the show that you have staying with strangers is that, I mean, it's because it's about traveling and staying with strangers, but it's about human connection. That's it is, what it's about. It, well, and, and it all comes from the cell phone. Cause you know, everybody gets on people, get off your phone, by the way. There, there was a time, and I'm so much better about this. God, I, I'm, God, I've become such a better human being. Thank <laughs> you, God. Um, but I was the guy that my girlfriend would be talking to me in the kitchen, and I get a text, and I pick up the phone. That's how I was conditioned. I'm like, well, I have to see who this is, you yeah. know. And I look back, and I'm, I'm still, I mean, I'm still like, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still a, um, what do they call, it? in progress. Um, a work in progress, a work in progress, <laughs> but like, but you know, I look back going, you know, I've had to train myself at dinners to have the phone. If the phone goes off, I don't need to look at it. So, but, but basically an app is bringing people together. Now this thing that that's driving people apart yeah. where people are in a common place in the airport and back in the day, what did people do? They had to talk to each other. You didn't have the phone. Yeah. You didn't have computers everywhere. And now this device that's dividing people is bringing people together. And that's, I mean, that's another concept where, yeah, you know. Cool. All right. So uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about is I think you're in a similar boat that, that a lot of creatives are. You have this great concept for a show. You've got something that I think people want to listen to. Um, you've got the ability and the, the wherewithal to make it happen. Like I said, people can go check out the at BrodyRadio.com. You can go watch the trailer. But so many of us in that situation, and I say us because I feel like um, like this podcast that Josh and I are doing, it's a real labor of love. It's a, it's a passion project. and But it's we're consistent and we're working to get better. And I feel like we got something to say. And just that idea of like, how do you get seen? That's a great question. Uh, you know, I was hoping you have the answer. I had it. <laughs> well, you're screwed. No. Um, so I had, you know, I had this idea for a little while of wanting to, cause I have a video production background. And so I'm like, okay, I don't necessarily care about being on TV. That was never a focus. And 
but I'm like, it would be cool to host this because I had my own twist on, on this concept. So, you know, which for me is I like to see where things were filmed. Yeah. I'm a huge, I don't care about meeting celebrities. I care about seeing where things were filmed. And I feel like there are so many cities across the country that have stories about, you know, this was filmed here. This was filmed here. Yeah. So, you know, but I, I said to myself, I'm going to go through this trouble of putting together this documentary and it takes a long time to film and especially edit things. You know, the whole thing is seven minutes long, but it took me like a month to edit. Yeah. So, but, so I was like, God, it, you know, is it really worth putting all this time and effort into, are people going to care about it? Um, is it going to resonate with people or is it just my own idea? And I'm, you know, and my ego says, Hey, this is really interesting. But I'm like, I, I, you know, I wanted to ask the question, is this something that people are really going to care about? And can it inspire anybody? I mean, is it interesting enough of a concept? And I sat down with a friend of mine in uh, Los Angeles who was a child actor and now he still uh, has his hands in, st in writing and producing in Hollywood. And I floated the concept to him. And he had, a he had I think, a similar concept for like an Uber show or whatever. But, mm -hmm. And then I said, well, that's interesting because I have this concept for like, you know, an Airbnb kind of thing. And he goes, that can actually be, it could be funded, it could be sponsored, and here are all the ways. And, you know, one of the things that I'm trying to get better at is thinking from a business strategy standpoint. Yeah. I'm more of the, I'm not going to call the art side because I have no artistic abilities. I feel like, <laughs> but, but I'm trying to exercise my, my business strategy muscle because it, it doesn't get any exercise at all. And, um, that's where I could probably use the most growth in my life. So all these things that he was saying, and I'm like, I don't know why I didn't think of that. That's, that's true. And he goes, you know, you can make money being, uh, um, a host if, if it ends up, if you host, but also you're the creator of this show and concept. And, and so when he, he, you know, he made me realize, he goes, you know, if this connects and you find a production house or, you know, a distributor, then, you know, you can make a living doing this and sell sponsorships. And I was like, wow. And that was the moment it was in a bar in Los Angeles. And that, that was the moment where I decided I'm going to do this. And, um, and then I was like, well, where am I going to start it? And then I'm like, Arizona, let me go to Arizona. Cause I love Arizona. I have friends there. I love visiting. And, you know, and I was like, worst case scenario, this lives on YouTube. Yeah. And friends see it and whoever best case scenario, this ends up being a docu-series and you can make it different because you're in different locations and different cities. And, and for me, it was, uh, you know, the, the twist that if, if I were the host, the fun twist on it, cause everything has to have entertainment value. I mean, when you're watching love it or list it, right. Um, it is an interesting concept to see, even though that's fake, it's an interesting, well, it's not fake, but there are elements, um, and it's, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil, yeah, I don't want to spoil <laughs> the behind the scenes of what I've learned, but it is fun to watch because the hosts have a lot of personality right. and they're competing and because the drama of what people are looking for in a house and how they're butting heads with like the, the hosts on the show, because that's not what I want. And so for me, the, the entertainment value that I try to bring to it is I like to see where things were filmed. So that's kind of, you know, yeah. you know, my fun little, I, I got to go to uh, the Tucson studios to see one of the most famous places, uh, studios in the middle of the desert, literally. And they filmed so many cowboy movies you know, um, John Wayne movies. And 
And all I care about is the fact that they filmed three amigos there. <laughs> it's just one of my favorite movies. And I felt, I, I felt so dumb, but I was like, I don't care. Yeah, there was, was a excited. scene where you, it was cut and I thought you did a really good job with it where it was like, yep, I recognize that right away from three amigos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was, I was so geeked. I was such a geek about it. And, and you know, and then I'm like, I had met people in the Tucson and Phoenix area. And that's when I met that one lady who I had stayed with both of the people who I interviewed, um, in the documentary, I'd stayed with them and I loved staying with them. Yeah. And I said, Hey, here's a concept I have. And I think I want to put this together. And we kept in touch. And then I said, Hey, look, you know, I, I really want to go through the production of this. Can I interview you? And they said, yes. Yeah. So I did a separate trip. I drove out there to Phoenix. I interviewed them and I said, well, let me see what kind of audio I'm going to get out of this. And Diane, the one lady who Initially, she was telling my story, but it came out in that soundbite that you played a little earlier in the podcast. And that's when I knew, that's when I got even more excited because I'm like, what a great line. Yeah. She had, she had, um, she was married, she got divorced. And I, I believe what the line was, you know, what I realized are these strangers ended up being nicer than the guy that I was married to. And I'm like, <laughs> this is the line of the entire, um, yeah. cause the other lady, you know, she was talking a lot about the concept of, you know, why they did it and, and the concept of having people come stay with you and why, you know, that's so important. Mm -hmm. But, um, but Diane, she had that, like that line and I'm like, what, I mean, yeah, meeting yeah. people who end up being cool, and you're like, oh, yeah. even the guy I'm married to. Is like, I no. think, um, like, uh, so we were at, we went to this thing together. That's where we met this meetup, and the guy asked us not to share any details about it, but I appreciated his candor because he told a story about how he got a big client. And everybody wants to think you get the big client because, you know, whatever, like some magical, mystical, they respect you. You've had this long sheet of things that you've done that have been successful. So they call you up and they're like, we need you to do our thing. He was like, I'd love to tell you that's what happened. But what happened was I sat next to the VP of marketing at our kids' game. And then I just threw out the idea. That's such a cool And that's how it worked. Concept. And, um, but when I watched your, so I watched the full seven minute version of it. The first thing that came to my mind was like, this is content marketing for Airbnb. Like, I know. Well, I, and I reached out to them. I've, 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 well, I emailed them to be fair. And I didn't necessarily think that they're going to be like, this is the greatest thing ever. Cause for me, I don't necessarily look at this documentary going, well, you know, this is exactly what they need to put on as a pilot and this is perfect. And no, for me, I was like, look, um, you know, what is the right concept? What is the right production? What is the right, you know, style? I go, this is just me putting my idea in my vision down on video. And so I had emailed them and I never heard back. And I, and then what I discovered was air, uh, what I had discovered was a lot of these like Netflix and Hulu and such, they don't take open submissions. And this was after I finished the project and I was like, well, damn, <laughs> how, but I have not heard back. I, you know, I haven't heard from the Airbnb folks, but I know they do their kind of own little vignettes, um, but. Which makes sense. I think what, what you're talking about and why I thought Airbnb, it addresses some of what I think have to be some of their primary hurdles to get people to join Airbnb. Like to have somebody say out loud, like how weird is it that my mom was like, you can't go stay in somebody's house, but then have, have somebody with an experience be able to say, and I did, and it was great. Like I thought it was going to be this, but it was this. 
And I have to imagine that's the majority of people. That's why Airbnb is growing. And uh, it's not, I only stayed there once we, we rented a house with a friend uh, in Cincinnati because we wanted to see the Joshua Tree Tour, the 20th anniversary U2 concert. Oh, that's awesome. And we went on the website and the only place left was like Cincinnati, Ohio. So we had to go to Ohio so that we could get tickets <laughs> to go to the show. And uh, so we met our friends from Michigan there and we Airbnb'd. And it was, uh, the guy wasn't there. So I didn't have that experience, but we oh, just, okay. we just stayed in his house and, uh, it was nice. There was, there was great experience. I mean, you got a whole house versus a hotel. Sure. And so it's fantastic. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, like, like, you know, to give people an idea, if you don't understand the concept of a VRBO or an Airbnb, it could be as simple as a bedroom that has a mattress and that's it which you're not going to pay that much for, but some people just want to make it for income, which is honorable. And, and Hey, you know, why not do it? But then sometimes you can rent a house. Yeah. Um, and, and it's got know, reviews so. and you it's got pictures. You're not going to get snuck up on you. Like, I thought I was getting a house and I got like, a yeah, <laughs> well, for anybody who's <laughs> like, how is that safe? If you look at, um, I don't want to kind of go into the minutia on your podcast or make it a, again, a commercial for any of these services. But if, if you learn a little bit about it, you'll see why it is safe and why so many people do it. Oh. But, but yeah, people, people who do these services, it's what you also make it. Like I said, some people just have a mattress and other people they have, um, uh, now you can rent experiences if you're in a city. Um, and then they have a higher tier of homes. You know, if you want to stay in like what's going to be really cool and swanky and people really, I mean, look, house flipping is, is an, is a common thing nowadays. And some yeah. people flip to create it, uh, you know, one of these kind of stays for people. Yeah. And you I, make it fancy. I've read some books on like investing in a real estate and rental properties. And now some of the the books are updated with this is how to do it specifically for Airbnb. Like it all depends on your location, right? You mentioned the guy in Key West has got a place where a lot of people want to visit. That might be worth a lot more to that gentleman as an Airbnb than in a rent, a monthly rental. Exactly. Cause you can, you can charge more. And, but he also enjoyed, I mean, he didn't have a job because he was making the money. I mean, he was making 15 grand a freaking month. <laughs> now don't go think you can make that kind of money anywhere. Key West is, it's an expensive place to stay yeah. where it's $500 a night at, for a hotel. And he was charging less than half. Yeah. So, and you got a better experience. You really did. He's pouring your drinks. You're at the pool. <laughs> he shares his story. He's inspiring. Still follow him. What ended up happening, by the way, and, and the only reason I want to mention this is because it's really interesting. He had said, my goal is to do this for another year and then travel the world. If you love the idea of A, making money and B, uh, or, and or traveling on a budget and not like staying like in some shit motel, <laughs> then, then look into it because, you know. I think it's also for adventurers. Like hotel versus that seems pretty manila. Like you, you know what you're going to get. And I, and I'm not saying that it's like Russian roulette and it's going to be crazy or, or nothing, but you have an opportunity to connect with somebody and you're, you're intentionally putting yourself in a situation to run into somebody where I think a lot of us just avoid, especially like I'm an introvert, but when I have a good time I with somebody, <laughs> when I have a good time with somebody, it's like the same feeling I get when I went to the gym and I didn't want to, but now I'm really glad that I did. I know I'm an introvert, but I still really like connecting with people. It's just, I don't know, harder for me or not natural. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, but it doesn't mean that I don't want it or need it. Uh, 
Sure. Like where if like for me, I don't necessarily go up to strangers at bar. Like my stepdad can talk to anybody <laughs> anywhere. I start up a conversation with any human. I'm not that yeah. way. But do you I get like jealous of those type of people? Like I get jealous I of those people. I'm like, why can't I just be like you? Because, because you know what? Because you never know when you're talking to somebody who's going to like enrich your life monetarily, uh, spiritually, somehow, Yeah. you know, and, and so I am jealous of my stepdad, my, my mom, and then she'll go, he tells our life story to anybody at the deli counter. And it's hilarious, but yeah, this forces you into that situation because to some degree, if you're hosting people, yeah, you, you have to be somewhat friendly. You have to be, um, mm-hmm. but that person, you know, somebody being comfortable staying somewhere, that's one thing. And by the way, it's like, you could be staying at somebody's house. I mean, I think, you know, there are people that love staying at hotels and I get it. Like there's some hotels that I've enjoyed staying at too. So this is not like, don't do this, do this. But, um, but it's, you know, you end up like, when's the last time you met somebody at a hotel? unless you met somebody who was passing through for business at the hotel bar, I suppose those kind of things do happen. But most of the time you're either traveling for leisure and you're there with your family right. or you're there doing business and you don't have time to connect. So, so the last time I went on a vacation and intentionally, maybe it wasn't even intentionally, but it actually made a real connection was my wife and I just went on a cruise and you sit next to the same people for dinner. Love cruises. And they're like kind of built for that. Right. And then like day three came and they weren't there and I was a little bummed. Like, yeah. oh, where's, where's our buddies? Like, <laughs> so I wanted to chat with them about Brexit and all the stuff that they had going on in their life that I couldn't connect with. And whether you're looking to make money or whether you're looking to travel, you're still going to make friends. Like those people in Phoenix said, well, it just started out as a way to make money. And we had a guest room on the opposite side of the house. It didn't even affect us. And that they're like, now we've made real connections. Like we had no idea what was going to come out of this process yeah. other than making a separate stream of income. Yeah. And I think that's why it's a cool idea for a show. And this is meant as the, as a high compliment here. Like if there was another episode, Thank I would have watched it. Thank uh, you. I, I would binge that thing. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, 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 you know what? The only thing that kind of, I, I continue with it is, um, and I haven't done any more of it cause it takes time. Yeah. It, right. It takes time. And you know, um, and, and I want to do another episode for sure. But in, in terms of, look, we met somebody at the podcast meetup and, you know, I, I feel like she may be in a position where she can maybe help me in some way, point me in a, in a direction, um, where maybe this thing can get seen by somebody and, and it's, somebody's going to go, okay, this is unique content and we should add it. Um, because it's not the same as all these other travel shows. Um, and I love watching travel stuff. I yeah. love the the real estate ones go, I'm never going to get a house in like <laughs> in the Caribbean, but it's so cool that these people are buying a friggin' house in the Caribbean yeah. and they're not like losing their shorts doing it and yeah. spending a ton of money. So, um, you know, I think to go back to your original question, which I completely didn't answer, um, <laughs> you know, when you have a concept, I think, you know, I, I've been given different kinds of advice. And, you know, when I realized that people don't take open submissions, which in radio, a lot of um, local musicians or mixed people want to send the radio station a mixtape. Will you listen to my mixtape and put me on the radio? And that's not how it works right now, unless you're a community radio station, that's different. But a top 40 radio station, they play what's popular, what people know. They play Taylor Swift and all these artists. So that's why local music generally doesn't get on, you know, um, like a pop station or, you know, so, but much in that same way, um, 
all these channels and streaming networks, they don't take open submissions. And so the wind was taken out of my sails. But another thing I've learned to, to, to know is, look, everything's about relationships. Life is about relationships. And yeah. you never know when you're going to meet somebody who's going to help make an impact in some way, shape or form that you didn't expect. And it could come out of nowhere. Yeah. Or things could be working behind the scenes and, you know. Um, Can I tell you about a hypothesis that I have that's not based on any numbers? But I really want it to happen. Yeah. So more, maybe it's more of a desire that I have. I know for me, I get very excited when I see some kind of content that talks about my hometown. And I think, like you were mentioning before, I don't know if open submissions came to an end because the ability to put together quality content, the bar got the entry bar the price tag to do high quality content for people that want to put in sweat equity became more attainable. Much like people start companies, they don't have to have a factory anymore, but they can have an idea and bootstrap it and get it there. And uh, I really hope that entertainment becomes more hyper-localized. Like there's shows in our city that we love, but there's no distribution for it. And so that's yes. the challenge. There's no network or affiliation that's like, man, here is the triangle's best shows on these things. But I feel like there would be a market for it if if somebody or content creators could figure out how to get together and figure out how to distribute the stuff. Right. Uh, well, I, I will say this. Uh, my girlfriend and I watch Lover to List it. <laughs> and yeah, that's pretty local, right? It, you know what? I found out they have offices in Raleigh. And then we would watch some of these episodes and she's like, all these episodes were filmed these particular episodes happen to all be filmed in Raleigh and I'm like, or in Durham as well. Cause that's, you know, um, another hotspot, you know, with, with all the growth that Durham has been going through and everything. And, and I was like, this is so cool. Like, and yeah. then you see the Raleigh skyline. I love it. And then you get excited. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's so cool. We all do that. So, um, that, that is the, that is the million dollar question. Um, mm -hmm. how to, um, but now like, you know, uh, to go back to radio, one of the stations in Vegas I was working at, the Urban Station, now takes submissions for local artists. And on a particular night, they'll yeah. share it on the air. So, you know, I, I, I think... I think we're just a little early, but I think that there could be room for a very local entertainment scene. Uh, because there's so much more content now than there used to be. And I'm not saying that we'll all give up on great shows, because a great show is always going to be a great show. Mm -hmm. uh, but... I know I'm rooting for it. And I think that if there's any like thing that'll help us get there sooner is people who are committed to producing great content and letting it be about the area and letting it be about like, this is what's great to do in this city. And that's going to make people from that city want to watch it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So that's pretty cool. Well, thanks man for being on the podcast. Yeah. Really thanks for it. having me. I, I, I feel like I, 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 talked everybody's ear off. I'm like, oh my God. It's kind of what a podcast up. is. <laughs> Somehow I don't, I can't believe I'm relating radio to life, but if we were to do the same things in our life, be it with a job or be it with family in order to sometimes take ourselves out of a routine and out of the hamster wheel, then maybe we can improve upon and make, make sure, making sure that we are, um, um, yeah, like a life audit. <laughs> Just stop Thank and pay you. attention to your life for a second and Thank see you. where it's at. Your life doesn't revolve around your job, even if you want to. Yeah. So anyway. If there's an answer, and I don't think I know what it is, but I bet I know what is in the answer. <laughs> and I think the answer has nothing to do with how you balance your time, getting better at time blocking, 
being more effective at work, being more productive with your family, I think the answer has to be, it's going to be something so dead dumb simple like content. Just learn to be content. Don't worry about trying to be 14% better at this. Be where you're at and do that thing. It's kind of like the the old man's. Yes. Be happy. Be happy. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Be happy. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Get unstuck. Tell a better story and have a good answer to the question. What are you doing today? Bye.